0: Everyone, welcome to episode two of the Totus Tours show. I'm Father Marius O'Reilly, and this is Cathy Sinnett, and we're delighted you can join us again for another episode of the Totus Tuus show. The last show we spoke about the Rosary, and I want to thank you all for your your great feedback and comments. It's really really helping us. And this week we thought we'd speak about what's known in the Catechism of the Catholic Church as the source and summit of our faith. Think about that—the source where it all comes from. And the highest point of our faith, it is, of course, the most holy Eucharist. I think of that great, great solemnity we have every year of Corpus Christi, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we celebrate the fact that God comes to us in this unique way. You know, St. Faustina said that if angels could envy us, and of course they can't, they would envy us for being able to receive jesus in the way we do we call this holy communion of course because it is this holy communion between myself and god and in my own spiritual life doesn't get any better than receiving jesus in the eucharist and as a priest i'm so privileged that i can celebrate the holy mass every day and receive jesus and he sustains me just like the jews in the desert there for 40 years they were sustained by the bread that fell from heaven this manna bread well we have something much, much greater. That man of bread prefigured the Holy Eucharist and the Holy Eucharist sustains us through our journey through earth to help us to get to the, the promised land. It really is like, you know, the highway to heaven, being able to go to mass and receive Jesus. If we're doing that every Sunday and even more frequently if we can, we're on that direct road to heaven. Only in heaven will we know the graces that we have received. And of course, our venial sins are are washed away as well if we prepare properly for the Holy Mass. And that's why it's so important before we come to Mass to prepare properly to receive Jesus and to think about my life, do a little examine of conscience, and also at the end of Mass to spend some time in Thanksgiving as well. And of course, because Jesus comes to us through the Holy Mass, we're so blessed as well as Catholics that we can go into... Churches all around the world, throughout Ireland, we must have a church every couple of miles and there Jesus is waiting and longing for us to come in and to visit him. And so few people visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, dear friends. So let us who are, you know, participating in this show and um, watching this show make, you know, a firm resolution that we will go and we will visit him in the Blessed Sacrament. Like the great Saint Francisco in Fatima, the little boy, he was only eight, wasn't it, when Our Lady appeared to him and he understood Uh, Jesus was in the tabernacle. He called him the hidden Jesus and he would spend hours every day going to console Jesus. So this great, great gift that we've been given of the Most Holy Eucharist. Someone who inspires me enormously, um, and I heard this story told by Archbishop Fulton Sheen, is a little girl of only 10 years of age, like little Francesco, called Little Lee, And she lived in China in the 1950s. And if you know anything about history, China in the 1950s was when communism was really beginning to expand throughout the country and they eventually arrived at her little village and they gathered all the people in the village church. They did something horrendous and with their guns. They shot open the tabernacle and they threw the consecrated hosts on the ground to the horror of the priest and the horror of the people who were watching and they began to make fun and mockery of Jesus' presence in the Holy Eucharist. They put a guard outside the church so that nobody could enter the church and they put the priest in a kind of a little prison kind of area, um, which was a bunker just off the sacristy. This girl literally snuck by the uh, guards every night for 32 nights because she wanted to go in and she wanted to do a little holy hour in front of Jesus present on the ground um, to make reparation for what was done. And then afterwards she would receive one of the the sacred host. She would kneel down and she would receive one of the sacred hosts. She did this for 32 nights. And on the 33rd night, there was one of the hosts left. And she was in the church, snuck past the guards again. And one of the guards happened to come into the church and he saw her there and he decided to shoot her. He shot her in the back. And with her last breath, she reached out and she received the last of the hosts, the 33rd hosts. Now, the priest witnessed all this, and we know about this because of his, his witness. And the guard who shot her felt really guilty afterwards, and he decided in some way to make some kind of retribution that he would help the priest escape. And he got him to the border of China, and he escaped. And he was able to tell us this story about this little girl whose faith in the Eucharist was so great that she risked her life for 33 nights to go into the church, and how much she longed to just be in the presence of Jesus, make reparation, and to receive him. It truly, truly is an extraordinary story. And so I never fail to be inspired when I think of Little Lee, and I hope you are too. Now, Cathy, we've some great figures of the Eucharist here in Ireland too, don't we?
1: Oh, we do. And in fact, my favorite one came from just two miles from here, and it's Little Nelly of Holy God. And this little girl, who died in 1908, was only just five years old when she died. And yet from the time she was a baby, like a toddler just beginning to say her first words, she was saying, Holy God, Holy God. And um, while her mother was still alive, she would just, she wanted to go to the church and she would face the tabernacle And she would point and say, holy God. And then her mother died. And she was put into an orphanage in Cork City. She had been in County Cork in Spike Island. And there, her whole dream was to be able to receive Jesus. And when she was first brought in, she was quite sick. And most of her time there was spent, you know, in isolation, in a kind of a a medical room, Um, she had, they discovered she had tuberculosis. But on one of the trips out, they brought her to the chapel. And she had never been in the chapel before. And whatever way it was configured, it could be a bit confusing. But she knew immediately where Holy God was. She had that absolute sense of the real presence, you know, where where he was. And um, one of the things was her the nurse, the person, her carer, mm-hmm. used to go every morning to Mass and then come back. And little Nelly would ask her to give her a kiss because that was as close as she could get to the Eucharistic Jesus, her holy God. And a couple of times the carer maybe couldn't get to Mass because she had to do something or whatever. And she would come back, and little Nellie would say, no, 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 you didn't receive, holy God. And the nuns who were raising her, the good shepherd nuns, decided to test this. Had she seen maybe the nurse out the window during mass time or whatever? You know, they had a lot of questions. So a few of them didn't receive, and they went up, and she asked for the kiss from each nun. And then when the ones that didn't receive, she said, no, no, why didn't you receive Jesus? Imagine. She had such a sense. And in the end, she, through the Bishop of Cork, who came and examined her and saw that she fully understood what the Eucharist was, you know, he, he questioned whether she understood better than he did. And her desire was so great that he gave the dispensation and wrote to the Pope, who he knew from his own seminary days, mm. Pope Pius X, about Little Nelly, And Pope Pius X took that story, and that was the sign. He was doing a novena of whether or not he should lower the communion age, because mm. it was at that time at 12. And when he got the letter from the Bishop of Cork, O'Callaghan, Bishop O'Callaghan, describing Nelly. That was the sign, the answer to his novena, But her knowledge, and then once she finally made her first communion, she would often spend four or five hours just in prayer. Just She would turn away and just sort of face the wall and spend four or five hours. This is a little four-year-old child. That's my favorite.
0: Yeah, that's an amazing story. We've both talk, spoken about little children. It's amazing, isn't it? Um, and often when people bring children into Eucharistic adoration, I often hear this. They say they're amazed how they just get it. You know, their minds are so pure and innocent. They just know that this is Jesus. They have no problem understanding it. Whereas an adult maybe you know might be a different story at times. Um, well, you
1: know, that's an interesting point because when I think of my own kind of knowledge that Jesus was in the Eucharist, it was. As a little child and it was probably two things it was the way I was prepared for First Communion mm-hmm. the seriousness with which the nuns the excitement you know and it wasn't about the big day in fact it wasn't that big day there was no collecting money none of th- it was all about receiving Jesus and we were prepared so all year mm-hmm. so carefully And even the making of, my mother made the dress and my grandmother put the little touches on it. Even to the point that the day before, the Friday of school, sister took us over and she said, it's very important we never drop the Eucharist. So she teach us how to receive on the tongue. She showed us the roll, it was almost like a sweet packet, and she unrolled it and there were these hosts and she explained how these were just bread But when Father, that when the parish priest said mass, they would be Jesus. So Mm -hmm. they were just bread, and so we each learned how to receive Jesus. And all of these little things left me with a lifetime of never doubting Mm -hmm. the real presence, because as a child, these were what taught.
0: And what a gift it is to give a child, that a child would go every Sunday then to receive Jesus in Holy Communion and be sustained throughout life and I remember a story Kathy some years ago I met a Spanish priest I just met him very briefly but he happened to tell me he was doing his doctoral dissertation on a seminary in the 1930s in Spain and the communists uh, came into the seminary and they knew that they were coming so they took off their clerics and everyone was in civilian clothes and they mixed with the general staff of the seminary who were male as well so the communists coming in didn't know who was a seminarian and who wasn't. But the one of the communists had been a seminarian himself. And he said, I think I know a way to catch them. He said, let's examine their hands. And if their hands are nice and soft, it's more than likely that they are seminarians.
1: They're not gardeners or carpenters or cooks. Or cooks
0: or... Exactly. But one of the seminarians was a skilled chef before he entered the seminary. And he worked a bit in the kitchen. So his hands were, were a little bit rough, a little bit calloused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they didn't detect him. And when they put the seminarians in a kind of a, a prison kind of area, um, he decided in the middle of the night to go down to the chapel and to take Jesus out of the tabernacle and to, to save the Blessed Sacrament. So he would prepare food for the seminarians, you know, on plates, and he would bring them into him. And he snuck in little bits of the Eucharist on the edge of a plate when he would bring them in. The seminarians knew, and it was this daily reception of Jesus that they were able to do throughout their time of imprisonment that helped them to, to cope with this great adversity um, wow. and get them through it. So, you know, we I think we, we take for granted as Catholics this gift that we have, but we know that so many Catholics, recent research, especially in the United States, and I'm sure it's throughout the Western world, so many people are struggling to believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Quite a high percentage. It's, it's, it's horrifying to see. But the Lord has given us ways to believe, hasn't he? There's been these Eucharistic miracles, Cathy. Do you want to tell us a That's little bit? That's right.
1: I mean, through the ages, there have been Eucharistic miracles, and all different kinds. You know, um, there have been miracles where the Eucharist stopped a flood, or even a lava flow in a volcano, and and plagues, and you know these were Eucharistic miracles. But we've also seen Eucharistic miracles, very rare, but there have been more lately, probably in response to the lack of belief, yeah. um, where the host becomes flesh. I mean, it is in transubstantiation; the substance of it has become Jesus's body and blood only the accidents are still the bread but this becomes visible and it's very interesting I mean the the, a famous old one 1200 years ago was Lanciano Mm. in Italy there was another one about 800 years ago and and one near in Portugal Santorum and there have been several of these that are still there they're still there in fact, Lanciano. In the seventies, they examined Lanciano, and found that the blood was still fresh. It was human, and that the the host, the flesh, was heart tissue, and of a male of an A B blood type. Now, more recently, we've had the Eucharistic Mir- miracle in Argentina, mm. one in Mexico. And one in Poland that have all been verified, all been medically tested, and all are heart tissue. Mm-hmm. But what And distressed really,
0: heart tissue, right, isn't it? Yes.
1: And these are the, what really touches me about this, because in a way, we shouldn't be surprised it's heart tissue, you know, with the apparitions of the sacred heart and, you know, Sister Faustina and, you know, the heart of Jesus in the merciful Jesus. But Yes, the fact that when they really look, they can detect that this was an heart in agony. Mm. This was a heart that had suffered brutal treatment, you know. And, and they, like with the Argentinian one, they were looking at this three years later. And yet they, the doctors didn't know where the flesh had come from. And they said, well, this was obviously taken from a living person. Who was in extreme agony, mm. and uh, you know, all of this. And the other finding that just has really touched me is where they've identified it not just from the heart, but there is one muscle in the heart, in the left ventricle of the heart, that creates the rhythm for the heart. In fact, creates the rhythm for the whole body. And it's one little muscle that is the orchestra leader for the whole body. And that it was that tissue that they discovered in the Argentinian host. Just phenomenal. You know, he leaves this for us to help us believe. Mm. Because maybe not everybody has the advantage of the formation that I would have had you know, in, in the 1950s where everything said he's really there, that's really Jesus. Now these formations may not be speaking so clearly. So Jesus is doing it in miracles.
0: And This is the Lord reminding us, of course, and, and I think of another story which touches me as well, the story of, you've heard of Blessed Alexandrina da Costa, often called the fourth seer of Fatima, even though uh, Balazar, which where she was from, I've been looking to visit there a few times. is about two and a half hours drive north of Fatima, but yeah. she's very much associated with Fatima. Similar time, um, and she lived on the Eucharist solely—no food, no water, no liquid, nothing—for thirteen years. This is absolutely impossible. Try it; <laughs> you won't get you won't get very far. And of course, there were skeptics saying this is impossible. How could she still be alive? So they brought her into hospital. She didn't want to go because she was paralysed in in bed as well, in in so, terrible pain. Terrible pain, and so they eventually got her into hospital for forty days—that biblical number, of course—time yeah. of trial and testing and purification, and, and they discovered, you know, the medical report. This was medically examined and proved that she was surviving just on the Eucharist she received once a day, and nothing else—no no bread, no food, no water, no IV. Whatever treatment, anything, uh, absolutely impossible, and yet medically certified. And this again is another example of a uh, eucharistic of miracle. a eucharistic miracle. And God is just reminding us time and time again that He is truly present in the Blessed Sacrament. And in connection with Fatima as well, I think something very important, Cathy, is that there are, you know, sacrileges and outrages. And indifference committed, sins committed against the Most Holy Eucharist. This is very, very important, I think, that we realize this, that we have to do reparation for these sins. And wh- where am I getting this? I'm getting this, of course, from the angel of peace who appeared at Fatima. And in the third apparition, you remember, the, the host and the chalice suspended, and he got down, prostrated. Again, You know, reminding us of the importance of adoration before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And, you know, we go into the church and we genuflect and we shouldn't talk and we should turn off our phones and so forth. This is really, really important. The angel is showing us. But the beautiful prayer that he taught the children was all about making reparation for outrages, sacrileges, and indifference. Outrages, of course, are things that happen, you know, desecration of the Eucharist, satanic black attack. masses, attack, yeah. all that. Um, and then we have the indifference that people receive Jesus in, you know, they just, there's no faith there really. Um, and then, of course, people who are not in a state of grace who commit these sacrileges, and this is happening a lot nowadays, of course. So, he taught them this prayer Most Holy Trinity, I adore you profoundly, and I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world. So, he's offering. The holy trinity the most precious body blood soul and divinity of jesus christ present in all the tabernacles of the world and then he continues in reparation for the outrageous sacrilegious and indifference by which he himself is offended and then the prayer finishes and through the infinite merits of the most sacred heart of jesus and the immaculate heart of mary i beg of you the conversion of poor sinners so you know we're praying for the conversion of sinners with that prayer but I would just, you know, like to say to all who are watching this video that if you could learn that prayer, it would be, or write it down and just bring it when you receive Jesus. Of course, it's a beautiful prayer to say as well in reparation when you go into the church, even for a moment, to just recite that prayer when you're passing a church. Perhaps some people say it during maybe the consecration at mass as well. You know, you're offering the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus in reparation for the outrageous sacrileges difference, but this can be something that we forget that um, there are great great grave sins committed in these ways against jesus's presence in the holy eucharist but the angel who was instructed by god himself has given us this prayer and um, to make reparation for those so um, just a, a lovely way to i think finish our show so thanks everyone for joining us for this second episode of totus to a show we're really excited about this because we just want to share the joy that we get from the Catholic faith, the splendor, the beauty of our faith. So hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did enjoy it, you might click the the like button. Apparently, it's very important for us to be able to reach more people and to help the whole evangelization effort and to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel. And also, if you want to uh, find out about future shows, then you just click on the subscribe button as well, and hopefully they'll pop up in your feed on YouTube. So. Thanks for joining us and we look forward to episode
1: three soon and God bless.